My name is Jeremy. I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and we are really glad um, that you're here with us this morning, especially if you're a guest with us. Welcome. We're honored that you would choose to spend a Sunday morning worshiping with us, and uh, you all you'll can see that uh, I think Jay's in trouble with little Eden, huh? Yeah. Um, he has got his hands full with her. Um, but yeah, we're really glad that you're here, um, and um, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump in. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you that you've called us here, that you give us um, the opportunity to gather in a space like this, and that we're, uh, that we're uh, free to be able to do that. Um, and as we get um, set to observe uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day tomorrow, I pray that we would be mindful of our country's um, history involving um, racism, and that we would be aware of that. And I pray that we would continue to be advocates for those who experience racism, racism today and raci- racial injustice today. I pray that we would be humble enough to continue to search our own hearts and be willing to repent of um, the things that we may be guilty of in this area that are blind spots for us. So help us in that as we observe um, this really, really important day um, tomorrow I'm on our calendar. And I pray for our time this morning. I pray as we open the word, I pray that you would change us through your word, that you would change our minds, it would change our hearts, it would change the way we uh, live when we leave, leave this place. But above everything else, I pray that your son is honored and that we worship and continue to um, set our eyes on him this morning. And it's in his son, your son's name we pray. Amen. So next week, we're going to be jumping into um, our next series where we're going to be walking through the Gospel of John. We're super excited about this. This is going to take us uh, for sure through the rest of 2022, uh, maybe into 2023 as well. We're super excited about this. feel like it's really timely and important for us as a church to be jumping in to the Gospel of John. But today, we're going to be uh, in John a little bit, uh, but we're going to be talking about, um, especially as we move into 2022, we're going to be talking about something a little, a little separate from that, that I want us to be just um, mindful of and remember as we move into the next year. And I think that this is one of the most important ideas of our faith that we have, this idea we're going to look at today. And Christianity is not a formulaic. Our faith is not built on formulas. Like if you put something in and you put something else in, you're automatically going to get this out of it, right? That's not how our faith is built. However, if there was one thing that gets close to a formula For our faith and for our discipleship, it's what we're going to talk about today. And it's found in in really a passage of scripture in the Gospel of John, John 15. And we're going to look at verses 4 and 5. This is going to be kind of our primary text for today, but we're going to bounce around a little bit. But listen to this text. It's familiar, but this is so, so important for our lives. Verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. 
I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. This is Jesus talking to his closest followers shortly before he would go to his death. We talk a lot about this idea of discipleship here. One of our core values is everyday discipleship. We believe that discipleship is key and it happens in the everyday stuff of life. And we, 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 uh, we, when we think about being a Christian, we should think about being a disciple. Those two words, um, the scriptures don't differentiate between those two things. But really, if we're going to talk about really the heart of what it means to be a disciple, actually a better translation for us would be apprentice, right? A disciple is to be an apprentice, which if you're an apprentice, you desire to be with your mentor or um, teacher. You want to be with him. You want to be like him, and you want to do the things he does. It's the whole point of apprenticeship, right? To follow in the footsteps of your master, to be with him, to be like him, to do what he did. And if I think if, if, if we were to put a kind of a portrayal of Jesus that the Bible kind of puts out there before you, if it was like a perfect teaching on who Jesus was and we were able to capture everything who, who, that, that Jesus is and who he is, I think all of us in this room would be so captivated by that that we would want to spend time with this man. We think about Jesus. We think about his qualities, his characteristics. We would be drawn to spend time with him. But as we all know, life gets in the way. Life happens. We have circumstances. We um, have barriers in our everyday life that keep us from spending time with Jesus. But it's not for the lack of us understanding how to, to put rhythms and habits and practices into place. Just think of your normal day, right? You have the morning. Many of you, probably most of you have a rhythm or some habits you do as part of your morning routine. Maybe some of you do those exact same things in the same order every day. But most of us have some things we do before we kind of start our day. And then you go off to work or to class or kind of gear up to, to be a, a stay-at-home parent that day. You start your day. And as a part of your day, you have rhythms and practices as well. Lunch is probably built into that. After work or class or spending time with the kiddos, you maybe sneak a workout in. Maybe go do some studying if you're a student. But then you come to dinner time. You probably have dinner rituals or habits as well. And that leads into nighttime rituals. If you have kids, you have the bedtime routine, right? And you do, um, oftentimes you do the same things every day for that. And then you, once you get the kids down, um, or if you don't have kids, you have that time a few hours, maybe before you go to bed. And I'm guessing you kind of do the same things every day if that is you. We have these rhythms and habits throughout our day. But oftentimes these things aren't intentionally focused on Jesus, so the question is, why? We kind of live life on autopilot in a lot of these areas. Like we could go through our day for much of it and really not have to think about a lot of those things that happen during our day. It's just part of who we are now. We've done it so many times, it just happens. So for many of us, and me included, why is it so hard to incorporate the habits into our days that helps us focus on 
Jesus, right? And if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, if you don't consider yourself a Christian, um, I would just challenge you that I believe, and I think the scripture teaches, that there's something about being created in the image of God. God creates us, and he hardwires into us these rhythms and habits. Kitten talked about it a lot last week of how God has put rhythms into place in our bodies, in creation, in different ways as well. And we are habitual people. Like, if you just think about it, we, if we're not intentional, we usually fall into habits we don't really want to be in. And then if we're trying to kind of get out of some of those habits, we have to be intentional to put in new habits. We are people that are built on habits and rhythms. And Jesus, if he's the perfect human being, which the Bible says he is, he's perfect, he's the perfect person, embodiment of the, the image of God, then we should pay attention to his, to his habits, to his routines, to his rhythms, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, because he is the embodiment of what it means to be human. So we should pay attention to how we spend his time, how he, how he got away with times to spend with the Father, how he interacted with people, how his pace was, who, who he was talking to, that he never seemed to be in a hurry, these types of things. Okay, so I hope you stay with me this morning, even if uh, maybe this is your first time in church in a while. We're really glad that you're here. So an apprentice is a person who desires to be with someone, desires to be like that person, and really wants to do what they did. And Jesus knew this, right? At the beginning of the Gospel of John, which we're going to look at in the next few weeks, we see Jesus, as he's calling those first disciples, the thing he always says is, come and see. Like he says something, there's this doubt or there's question, and then he says, come and see. Come and be with me. Come and see who I am. Don't just believe what I'm telling you, but actually come spend time with me. Come and see me. He goes on a little further, and he says again to a group of disciples within a span of about 15 verses in John 1, he says, come and see again to a, a different group of disciples. Part of his strategy in calling people to follow him and be disciples is come and see means come and spend time, come and be around. And Jesus came to show us how life ought to be lived. He lived a perfect life, and then he died a death on behalf of sinful people. And then he rose again, and he gave us the Holy Spirit so that now we can be empowered to do the things he's calling us to do. We can live in the way that he has shown us, that he has laid out for us in the Gospels. So much so that the early Christians, this thing called Christianity was called the way. If you read historians, biblical historians, church historians, they would say that for, for many, many years, the church was, was referred to as the people of the way because it was a way of living. It wasn't just a set of beliefs. It was that, but it was a way of, of living how Jesus lived. And we need to embody that as well as followers of Jesus. So how can we call ourselves followers or Christians um, or little Christs if we don't spend time with him? That's like a legitimate kind of question that we need to reflect on, right? Like going to church, attending gospel community, um, listening to worship songs, hanging out with church folk, all good things, but those things do not save us, right? Those things do not help us identify with him. All good, but they don't make, our, they don't make us Christians, right? Faith in him does, and coming out of faith is our following him, our obedience to him, our following after him as our 
rabbi, our master, and we are his apprentices. It's to follow him. It's to grow in his image. And to do that, we must spend time with him. Um, an author by the name of James Clear, who wrote a book called Atomic Habits a couple years ago. It's a really good book, bestseller type book. Many of you have probably read it. I don't know if James Clear is a Christian. He may be, but he doesn't write from a Christian perspective in this book. But there's so much good, common grace stuff in this book. I recommend it. Um, and, and he says this about little actions and really how that kind of forms our identity. Listen to this. Every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. No single instance will transform your beliefs, but as the votes build up or those little actions and decisions, so does the evidence of your new identity. So let's take this good common grace wisdom, bring it over into kind of biblical kind of vernacular, and we all have these identities, right? We're given this identity as followers of Jesus, and part of discipleship is growing into that identity, making sure that identity is realized. And so to use kind of this language, James would say that these small little actions, habits, over a long period of time is what forms us into our identity. And our primary identity as followers of Jesus should be children, right? Apprentices, his disciples. So the way we can look at, I think, habits and these actions, these mundane things that we do every day, they're going to form us more into his image or they're going to prevent us from being formed in his image, right? See, it's one way or the other, right? There's not a lot of neutrality when we look at our days, okay? So let's look at John 15. I want to put some context around uh, those verses we read earlier to make sure we understand this, this picture, this, this incredible picture that Jesus gives us of our discipleship. John 15, verse 1. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. So that's important, right? These, they, these are already his people, right? These are Christians he's talking to, okay? He said, you're already, you're already my people, right? So they're, they're, they're saved to use our kind of the terms we use, right? Now, verse four, abide in me. So you're saved, so abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. So we see who's playing the roles here, right? Okay, so Jesus is the vine, God is the vine dresser, the one who takes care of the vine, and we are branches. We come out of the vine, right? In verse six, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. I love how he ends there by really turning it back to joy. He's like, the whole reason why I'm, I'm, I'm giving you this imagery and giving you this teaching and making sure you all get this 
followers, to his, to his closest followers, is so that you may have joy. That's why joy, we believe here at Providence Heart, is such an important part of our faith and really of humanity um, in general, right? We have it in our, our, our vision and mission. It's, it's we, we glorify God by leading people to find freedom and joy in Jesus, right? So he's saying, the reason why I'm, I'm showing you this imagery and teaching you to abide in me, to remain in me, is so that you may have joy and that God, my Father, would get glory through the life that you live. Let's go back to this word abide because this is the key word in this passage, abide. This, this word means to stay to remain, to wait, right? Some, some other translations say remain in me, and, and it has that idea, right? Stay connected to me. And we kind of get this imagery because Jesus is so good at this, right? He, he says the branches, it's like a branch off a vine. It, we all know that if you cut a branch off of a tree and leave it on the ground, it, you come back, it will be dead soon, and it will cease to bear fruit. It's not gonna bear fruit anymore once you cut that off from the, the trunk or the, the, main, the, the other branch that it's connected to. It's in the same way. A branch separated from the supply of nourishment that is found in the vine cannot bear fruit. It can't exist. This passage says it's, it's kind of worthless at that point for the function that it was made for. So it's thrown out because it's not worth the function that God intended it to bear. So fruit bearing for the disciple is totally dependent upon our direct connection to the vine or to Jesus, the attachment to Jesus, the abiding in Jesus. And so I think, therefore, this is the key element in our discipleship, in our being a disciple, is staying connected to him, abiding in him. Right? This is, we, we use this word a lot around here with union with Christ. And Jesus is saying that I am, I am connected with you through my union with you. Now you need to kind of realize that you're connected with me and abide in me through that. Right? He's not saying, hey, do this so you can be saved. He's saying, no, you're already saved. I'm already united to you. But experience and live out your faith by staying connected to me. So here's the big question, right? What does this look like? Because it, it sounds nice on paper. It sounds nice when you read this passage. Like, yes, I'm going to do that. Yes, I'm going to commit to remaining in Jesus or whatever. And then life happens and these other rhythms and habits and our days and our stresses and our, our hours and uh, demands that other people place on us. And then our days are gone and then our weeks are gone and our months are gone. And we look back and we think, well, what happened to that time? So let's, let's kind of get deeper here and talk about um, what does this look like as it's kind of playing out. And I would kind of reword this uh, to, to first start by saying it's really taking what you're doing normally in a given day and being more intentional to remember Jesus and the Father and try to be in his presence as you do other things. The great example of this from church history is this guy by the name of Brother Lawrence. He wrote this book called Practicing the Presence of God. Some of you know about it. You've read it. It's this little about 100-page book. It's a great book. And Brother Lawrence was, was a monk. He lived in a monastery. But as a part of his kind of role in the monastery, he was a cook. He, he was a chef. He, he, he worked in the kitchen, kind of a hard job. He served, and he waited on the other monks in the monastery. And Brother Lawrence's primary goal in his life was if, to see how, 
how much he could stay connected moment by moment to the presence of Jesus, really. He's like, I want my, my mind as I'm washing dishes, as I'm cooking food, as I'm talking to my fellow uh, monks in the monastery, I want 24-7 my mind to be saturated and be thinking about Jesus. So he made it his, his ambition to do that, and he writes about that. It's kind of this memoir of him trying to practice the presence of God. And we see David in the scriptures, right? David's a great example, right? We see that, that fruit come out in the Psalms. These beautiful Psalms that are written by David's because he's practiced being in God's presence. Probably as a young boy out um, tending his sheep as a shepherd. Um, not an easy job, but a job that kept him away from people and probably had a lot of time to think and to reflect about life. And so while he was out there, probably developed these habits and practices of a guy who could then write the Psalms that we read about today. So this idea of abiding or remaining in Jesus takes practice. It takes practice. And these practices, sometimes referred to as disciplines, are things like scripture reading, prayer, fasting, silence, solitude. And you could probably add there's different People come up with different lists. You could probably put 15 or 20 on that list if you were generous and you wanted to kind of fill that list up. But these are the typical practices that help us uh, be better at abiding, right? So let's talk about this. Let's talk about this idea of, of these practices. And oftentimes this is referred to as spiritual disciplines. And for a long time, that's how I refer to it. And I don't like either one of those words, and I'll give you reasons why. Discipline, I think, um, are practices, uh, disciplines and practices, they, they, they have some overlap, yes. But oftentimes when we think of discipline, uh, we don't often think of stuff we love doing, and therefore we're going to kind of discipline ourselves our, our self to get better at those things. Dis discipline often has a negative connotation, and um, that's why I don't love using that word uh, for discipline. It's better, I think, to use practices, right? Like if you're an athlete or anybody trying to get better at any skill, a musician, right? Whatever a skill is that you want to get better at, you typically, if you're thinking about it, you say, I want to practice or I want to train myself to be better at X, Y, or Z. You don't necessarily say, is discipline involved in that? Of course, but you don't say, I'm going to discipline myself to be better at X, Y, and Z. It's not, that tends not how we think, Right? And how, not how athletes, if they think if I'm going to go to practice or I'm going to go to training to be better at my craft or whatever I do. So I, I prefer the word practice better than discipline because I think that's what we're doing. We're practicing being in the presence of Jesus. Next thing, spiritual, right? Spiritual, I still like that word because I think it's true and I think it's biblical. But here's the, the, the thing we have to be careful on when we say spiritual, that this, we're not dualistic people. We don't, the Bible doesn't teach dualism where you have the spiritual things in life are good and everything else is physical and can kind of just be set aside or thrown away. Dualism is not biblical. That's not what we believe, right? We are embodied people, right? What, all the spiritual stuff we do is contained in this body that, that, that is, our, is our, what we have on us here on earth, right? We have this body. And so we do the things we do with our senses, with our hands, with our feet, right? And so it's not necessary that we're like some, when we say spiritual, we almost 
it's almost like we're these disembodied people doing these special things. No, these are just practices that we're doing as human beings in our body to stay connected to Jesus, right? It's okay if you still use spirits. But just know that like it, it, we, we sometimes, I think, make this thing too, um, too hard or make it too, um, too mystic when we do this, right? It's just setting aside time to use our minds and to use our eyes to to set our sights on scripture, to read that because we know that's going to help us abide. So I like this idea of spiritual practices better, or you could say daily practices of a Christian, right? And take spiritual out of it, because I think that's what it is, daily practices for a follower of Jesus. And those, the, we're, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God, God gave us a body, our vo- bodies are valuable, Right, so we don't we don't want to like give give continue to give weight to our bodies um, when we think about this. And all practices are a means to an end. We don't do the practices because for the practices themselves. We do the practices to connect with Jesus, to remain in the vine, right? To stay connected to Him, um, so that we can glorify God and b- learn how to be with Jesus, but also to bear fruit as Jesus bared fruit. Right, and one. Really, author that I've learned a lot from in the last couple of years on this is a guy by the name of John Mark Comer. He wrote this book, um, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, which many of you have read that. And in that book, he has this, this kind of um, illustration of, and he says, if you want to experience the life of Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. Like if you want to become like Jesus, you need to look at how he lived and, and model yourself after that. And he, in that book, he uses the example of a runner. And he, he says, and many of us probably are, we, it's, if, if I say, I want to become a runner, that's an identity. And so it's not, becoming a runner is not, I'm going to go out and lightly jog three times a week because that's good for my health. No, becoming a runner is like, I'm, I'm serious about this. I'm going to change my diet. I'm going to probably change my sleep habits. I may have to get up early. I'm going to get some new gear. I'm going to get some new shoes because I am becoming a runner. Like I'm putting on this new identity and there's this point where you're counting the cost of what you're going to have to do to become this, kind of grow up into this identity you want to become. It's that way for any craft, musician, anything else you, you attach that to. If you, so he says, if you want to experience the life of Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. And we see this in the gospels. He's getting away to spend time with his father. Never in a rush, it seemed like. People, he, I mean, we, we get tired of people demanding things from us, especially if you have small. Like it just feels like there's somebody always wants something from me all the time, 24-7. This, this, and I can't like think straight, right? Well, Jesus had that like so much more worse than we have because the whole world that was around him wanted something from him. He was healing people. He was this rabbi. He was, he was this, he, everybody wanted a piece of Jesus, yet he always had this rhythm and this pace that I think we all really want to have as life gets chaotic for us. Now, Paul in Galatians 5 takes this teaching, I think, of, um, of, of the vine and the branches and kind of builds it out a little bit and uses some different words that I think are helpful. Galatians 5, 16, he says this, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You can insert abide in Jesus with walk by the Spirit, right? Because now we have the Holy Spirit. The way we abide in Jesus is through the Holy Spirit. And then he talks about, um, that he, he lists some desires of the flesh. That we don't have time to read all of them. But he lists the desires of the flesh. He says, if you don't walk by the Spirit, this is the fruit you're going to have, right? There's these, these lusts of the flesh. 
And then in verse 22, skipping down a little bit, he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Right? I don't care who you are, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, even if you want nothing to do with the church, you want these things. You want joy. You want to be a kind person deep down. You want peace. You don't want to be gripped with anxiety. You want peace. Right? This is the fruit of the Spirit. And he says, and those belong to Christ, verse 24, those belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. In verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Again, keep in step with the Spirit. That language from Paul is remain in me, abide in me. It's the same words Jesus used, or the same idea that Jesus taught, but using different words in different language. And Paul does this in several of his letters. He changes the language a little bit. But in Romans, he says, set, set our minds on the things of the Spirit. In Romans, he says it that way. Now, in this Galatians passage, we need to be careful not to read this as a list of, of just do this of imperatives, because this is a fruit of the Spirit. It doesn't say the fruit of a man's work or the fruit of a man's effort, or if you work really, really, really hard, or even fruit of a man's habits. That's not what it says. It's the fruit of the Spirit, which kind of brings in this tension of, well, how, how does that work if it's the fruit producing this, producing this in us? I think it goes back to this idea of, of Paul saying, walk by the Spirit, Live by the Spirit. Jesus is saying, abide in me, remain in me. So there's something that we need to do, right? There's, there's something on our end that we kind of need to put ourselves and remain in Jesus and be in step with the Spirit to be able to bear this kind of fruit. So don't hear this as, hey, this is a list of things. You need to go out and try really, really hard to, to bear fruit in these areas. Go really, try really hard to be joyful. No, he doesn't say, go try really hard to be joyful. He says, he says, walk in step with the Spirit, remain in Jesus, really, in a way you can say that, and, and God will produce these things in you over a period of time. Now, there are two ditches. When I, when I bring up spiritual practices or spiritual disciplines, if you're still familiar with that language, usually there's two ditches we fall into, and I want to just touch on both of them quickly. The first ditch is, oh, this just feels really legalistic. This just feels legalistic. If we start talking too serious about this, you know, um, bringing out kind of the, the, the checklist on things I have to do in a certain day, um, it's just too legalistic. I'm saved by grace. Aren't these things optional because these things don't save me, okay? That's a ditch. That's not biblical. Right? It's a ditch. The other ditch is my approval before God is determined by how I feel after this quiet time this morning. And if I don't feel good about this quiet time, I'm just questioning my relationship with God all day, right? It's, it's our, our, our acceptance before God rises and falls based off how we did that day in prayer, okay? That's a ditch as well. Okay, these practices, these disciplines, if you want to use that language, are invitations to a deeper life and enjoyment of God. Like, who wouldn't want that if you're a follower of Jesus, or, say it, or said another way, the practices are done simply to make space in your life to receive God's love and grace, or to be aware of the, God's, the love and grace you've received from God. Right? It's not legalistic. It's not something that saves you. But it is something, if you are a follower of Jesus, the question is, why wouldn't this be the most important thing 
in our lives. Why wouldn't it be? Why wouldn't we want to experience daily, continue to taste the gospel and see the gospel and experience the gospel by spending time with our Savior? My number one goal for the church in 2022 is that we would learn to spend time with Jesus. That we would, we would set all the other things aside from the number one spot and make the number one thing, how do I, how do I be with Jesus? Now, that could include a quiet time. That, that's part of that. Or it could include, you know, there's some monotonous moments during my day, maybe a drive. You can't just unplug and do a quiet time. How can I practice the presence of Jesus through the Holy Spirit in those times? Maybe it's a really quick verse that you've memorized that you repeat over and over and over. Maybe it's some fixed hour prayer, which the, the, the folks in the monasteries used to do, right? I think it would be good for us to adopt those things. Like every three or four hours, you said a one-minute prayer. And you can do that anywhere. You can take bathroom breaks throughout your day if it works that hard on you. Or take a bathroom break and remember that, that prayer. Say that prayer every three or four hours. There are, there are lots of things we can do to practice the presence of God. And here's the deal. I, this isn't meant to throw a bunch of guilt and shame upon you. I am with you in this thing. I am right there with you. One of the biggest convictions I have in my life is I'm not, I don't practice the presence of Jesus in an ongoing way through all the mundane moments of my life, through parenting uh, our boys, the time I spend with Nicole. How, how does everything become this idea of practicing the presence? James Clear, again, in this book says this, you do not rise to the level of your goals, you fall to the level of your systems. Now, this seems like, you know, just kind of secular um, goal-setting stuff, and, and it is, but he, here's the deal. Like, imagine, no, nobody sets out at the beginning of a, a year and says, you know what, this year, I really want to gain 30 pounds. I just really want to do that. You know, I think that'll make me happier if I can just um, tip those scales 30 pounds in, in the other direction, right? Nobody says, you know what, um, I think I just, I've done A's and B's, but I want to roll out a few C's this semester just for the heck of it, you know? Or, you know, I want to be a little bit less patient with my kids. I've been, you know, it just feels really good. The house feels really good when I'm really impatient with my kids. So I want to do more of that. No, like none of us does those things. So we all have the same goals to Clear's point, but why do some people get there and some people don't? Well, he says it's the systems. And I would say habits are a, a system, right? So instead of focusing on, I just really want to like just, just hit this goal with my Bible break, wait a minute, let's, let's, let's look at your whole life and ask, how can I incorporate Bible reading into everything that's happening in my life? Because that's kind of your system of life. Maybe you need to tweak it. Maybe you just need to insert it into your system to use that language, okay? So again, it's not about just setting a goal and grinding our way to get there. It's taking inventory and kind of doing an audit of what does your life look like and how can I incorporate things into that? Um, another uh, quote from Pastor Jeff Vanderstel. He says, you can tell how effective your apprenticeship to Jesus is by how much your daily responses to life's circumstances look like how Jesus would respond. Now, I'm going to use another sports analogy here. Like, this is like the game, the game of, 
like walking with Jesus is, is our experiences, right? It's circumstances. Like we're, we don't know what's going to get thrown at us that day. And so how we've done in practice, how we've done in our kind of our habits on ongoing mundane ways is going to inform how we react in certain situations, right? If I've forgotten about Jesus and don't, don't think about God for a couple of days and I get home and my kids are just nuts and it's chaotic in the house, like why would I expect to like go back to the fruit of the spirit in that moment and how I react. No, 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 I'm gonna be angry. I'm gonna be, I wanna get what I want. I deserve quiet. You need to shape up. I'm your dad. You just start to bark orders at your, at least at my kids when I'm not in a good place. Like that's, that's game time. So a lot of, he's saying a lot of our, if you wanna tell how you are doing as an apprentice of Jesus, look at how you're reacting to life circumstances. Last couple of years, we've had a lot to react to. How you doing? How are we reacting to the things that life is throwing at us? And that will tell a lot about how you're doing in practice and how you're practicing abiding in him so that when life does get hard, you can kind of go back into that space of abiding. Real quick to get practical and then we'll be done. I think there are three components to any spiritual kind of practices. When you talk about putting these things into play, there are three things. One, there's the content. It's the Bible. It's the gospel. Okay, well, I think we're clear on that. Number two, it's habits which we've talked about today, habits, these practices. Number three is community. Like, I just don't think we can grow as followers of Jesus without all three of these things. If you pull one of these things out, you're not going to be formed in the way of Jesus, right? If you just do community and Bible, like, I value the Bible, I I value community, so I'm going to like do the things the church has asked me to do, and I'm going to listen to the sermons and maybe listen to a couple of podcasts about the Bible. If, that, if that's it and you don't develop any habits, you're going to get swallowed up in the habits that the world's going to kind of make you fall into, and you're not going to be formed. It's like, it's like someone with, I'm going, to, I'm going to learn how to, I want to have the best, I want to have a Steph Curry jump shot, right? I want to have the beautiful jump shot. So I'm going to read all these books on Steph Curry. I'm going to watch videos of Steph Curry. I'm going to be around a lot of other people who want to have the same kind of jump shot, but I'm not going to shoot any. I don't really want to shoot. I don't really want to do that. I want to have that jump shot, but don't, don't make me go shoot. I don't want to have to go like chase my ball around and if I miss a shot. Don't make me do that, but I'm going to study. I'm going to be able to tell you exactly what it's like to have a good Steph Curry jump shot. It's the same way if we pull habits out of that. You could pull these different things out as well. Community, you need to be in community to do this. You can white knuckle it for a while by yourself, but you're, you're not going to be on point all the time. You need other brothers and sisters who are committed to this to say, hey, how's it going? How can I help you? You need a resource? I found a resource over here. This is really helpful. Hey, here's a little tip on how I incorporated this into my life. That text, you know, hey, how are you doing? There's some guys I know, that maybe this is happening a lot in our church. We have some guys, though, that started at the beginning of the year with the, the, the Bible app, and they're doing the same Bible reading plan together, and there's a notes, like your response, kind of in that place to do that every day, and what they're saying is, hey, let's all agree to like fill up the note thing, right? Put some notes, even if it's small, and we are able to see each other's notes. So if you go a couple of days and there's no notes, like check in on me. Maybe I'm just winging it or I'm spinning, or if there's something that really grabs you from someone else's time, it's like, oh, I didn't see that when I read that passage a couple of days ago. That's really good. So that's a way to incorporate community into this if you can't get together all the time. So here's the deal. So we talked about practices. So for the next few years, we're going to be introducing a spiritual practice every three to four months. 
Every three to four months, we're going to be introducing a new spiritual practice, and we're spacing it out because you need to practice these things. You need to find people to come alongside of you. You need to probably check out a few resources to help you put this into practice. Often, we've done this here before, but oftentimes you do a a, a sermon series on spiritual gifts. You do one a week. You get through eight of them. You're like, okay, let's move on. But that, that we, you, don't, you don't learn anything important in a week, right? So we're going to give space, three to four months. And then probably in May-ish, we're going to come back and do another uh, spiritual um, practice to do this. So we're starting with the Bible. And because of time, I'm not going to get into all the things about Bible reading. But we're going to have a blog post up by tomorrow uh, for sure with some resources, Bible reading plans, all the things I think you would need to be able to start the practice of reading the Scriptures daily. Start really, really small. Don't overdo it, right? Refer to this blog post. If you need help, um, find, um, you could talk to me, talk to another pastor, find your uh, gospel community leader. They will be able to steer you in the right direction to help you find whatever's going to work for you in this way. So again, my prayer for us this year is to learn to spend time with Jesus, right? It's, 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 uh, it's simple, but it's not easy. But if we do that, I'm certain that we will, we will bear fruit, we will experience joy. And what better way to end 2022 by looking back and saying, I just really learned how to spend time with Jesus um, in a deeper way this year. Let's pray. Father, with, with a, um, the things we've talked about today, we need help. I need help. I, I, I confess I'm not great at this. Um, my mind gets scattered it wanders throughout the day. I have a tough time pulling up for, for air, so to speak, and still thinking about you when I'm going about doing other things, letting your scripture, letting your, that, that still small voice of the spirit, letting it guide me and direct me as life comes at me in different directions. Help me. Help my friends in this room. And I just imagine that who you are the beauty that we see in you in the Gospels, and, in, and really in the whole Bible, but for sure the Gospels, why wouldn't we want to spend more time with your son? And as we think more about him and what he has done on our behalf, I pray that you would use your spirit inside of us to, to encourage us and to move us and to give us wisdom as we figure out how to incorporate reading the scripture um, into our daily lives. Help us, Lord. It's in your son's name we pray, amen.